Tim, season three, episode 22, Stats of Matter, Turkey Day has arrived and within a full slate of NFL games. And our cups this week, it's an American IPA from Exeter, Rhode Island, and a pastry stout from North Haven, Connecticut. Follow us on Stats of Matter at follow us on Instagram no, <laughs> at Stats Don't Matter and Twitter at, at Stats Podcast. All things period sports. This is why you don't write the show notes in the tone of voice that you speak. Find stats no matter wherever you get your podcast. Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Alexa. Tim, let's get into the show. Let's go. And uh quick apology for everybody who's been hanging out waiting. We had some technical difficulties with last week's episode. It's been recovered and for posterity will be posted alongside today's, even though all of that news is last week's news. It's still there, if nothing else, just to make sure our picks are uh, out into the world, so there's no uh, hanky panky going on. So. It, it happens. Because it was a good uh, week for your boy. Yeah, and uh, the good thing here is that um, if you are one of those people who are like, "Oh shit, Thanksgiving, I got to spend time with my family," just you know, put on put on the first episode, and then when someone inevitably goes, "Hey, these are last week's games," you go, "Oh, that's right, there's a new episode," and just play this one, so you'll be fine. <laughs> you'll be absolutely ready to go. Okay, let's hop like into it, it here. Tim, I, I played yeah. the stout game for a couple of weeks here. I'm back on my bullshit yeah. with the IPA, but you decided you're going to go away from Imperial Stouts and give us a pastry stout for this week. So what are you drinking? Yeah, yeah. Um, also, my sidecar is a little uh, other half mosaic dream. This is this is a pretty solid little can. I just, I just bought a four-pack, and I almost did this shit today. I love how we do this. Um, I bought a four-pack <laughs> today of um, all mosaic everything, double dry hops. Nice. And I thought about making right. that. I have I have the glass, but I was like, nah, I'll do something different. Uh, so in the uh, holiday spirit, if you will, because I'm one of those that like once the weather turns cold, like I'm here, I'm here for all things Christmas. I got a little weird when people were ready to set up their uh, all of their stuff, you know, uh, while it was still 70 degrees out in Connecticut. Uh, but now that it's cold as shit, it was like 20, 29 degrees when we woke up this morning. It's time I'm here for it, and with that comes. Uh, one of my favorite beer styles, and that is the stout, which I think is stout season all season. But a lot of the seasonal ones that are coming out uh, are are starting to hit your cells, including the one I've got from Abomination Brewing. Uh, it's my first uh, toe dip back into North Haven in a little while. Uh, <laughs> it's been a little bit, but this bad boy is called uh, Santa's Black Blood. Uh, it's got this really creepy picture of Santa on the front of it, which, like, have you seen the previews for the new quote unquote Christmas movie that's like making a run at, at Die Hard where Stan is like some badass who is helping save a family, like murdering people? Yeah, it's the guy from Stranger Things who played Hellboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he's, yeah. he's badass Chris Kringle. Yeah. So, like, and John Leguizamo is the villain. I mean, I, on, on its surface, it looks like it's really good. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll see about that. Uh, but anyway, it's got this like gnarly looking can in the front with this creepy. Creepy Santa. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll you'll stay up for the next twenty four hours. But uh, it's a double pastry stout brewed with a vanilla bean, milk sugar. I'm a little on the fence about that, but eggnog spices. Uh, it's thirteen point three percent. I am a huge eggnog 13. fan. Thirteen. Yeah, I'm a huge eggnog guy. Uh, I'm a big stout guy, and I'm hoping. This is going to blend, but I've said it a couple times before. Abomination is one of those that's 
hit or miss. I don't want to say hit or miss like they make bad beers. They just make some that are 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 perfectly serviceable, uh, and they make some that are are really good. I think their triple is still one of the higher rated triples we've had on the on the show so far. But uh, they're good people. Usually interact with us on on IG when we when we tag them in some shit. But this is super cold. I got a little aggressive. Uh, I threw it in the freezer and then forgot about it a little bit. So it's pouring like motor oil. Um, there you looking go. a little bit like motor oil. I got it in my angry chair glass. <laughs> yeah, there, uh, there we go. go card. There we go. There's always there's always one. All right. So off the bat, it smells it smells good. It smells like your standard pastry stout. Oh, what's funny? Unless you have like a super bold flavor in a pastry stout, they all generally tend to come off somewhat the same. It's that strong stout coffee sort of note on it with maybe like a little hint of vanilla that kind of slides in there a little bit but for the most part it all generally smells the same regardless of what ingredients are in there unless it's something super super strong like uh i don't know like um you know, some of the weird, yeah like if it's bourbon aged or if they slide in like a weird herb or something to throw you off a, a little bit but for the most part they all smell the same this Smells very much like your traditional sweet stout, but wow, 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 wow! All right, so I don't know when it was. It was probably like uh, I don't know, halfway through our first season. I can't even remember now. But I did one, it was a French toast out from Untitled Arts, which was a Angry Chair collab. And that was phenomenal. Uh, this tastes almost identical to that. Even though this is like eggnog. I know French toast and eggnog can kind of share some of the same spices with the eggnog and the cinnamon and, and some of those like vanilla flavors. Um, this, like if my eyes were closed and you gave this to me, I would have almost guessed it was the same beer which is great that is one of my favorite stouts that was my first intro into uh into angry chair and then it kind of spiraled from there but this is man this is really really good it's not it isn't over the top sweet which you sometimes get from the milk sugar it does have a little bit of a different mouthfeel than the other beer because it's got that lactose in it so it's got that like it's not not sticky it has like this i don't know like a it leaves a coating like a film a little bit on there um and then it has like a little bit more of like a coffee finish to it that or the traditional uh stout finish it doesn't finish overly sweet which is which is kind of nice that means you could probably sit and have one or two of these without feeling like you're gonna walk away with diabetes but What's even more impressive is for a 13% beer, I taste no booze, like none. It doesn't have any, any, any Danger finish zone. to it, any bite to it. It is, this is an all around phenomenal stout. In terms of pastry stouts, I was expecting it to be a lot sweeter than it is. And it's not, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think that's good. They may have found like that perfect little sweet spot. This is, this is really good. I'm going to give this like a four. A four six. Like I'm going to go back four. tomorrow. 
and buy one of these. I'll be curious. I will say, I will be curious to see what this tastes like as it starts to warm up a little bit because I can see maybe some of those sweeter notes kind of sliding out a little bit. Um, and some of them say to drink like 50 degrees or 40 degrees or whatever. This one says store cold and drink fresh. So, I mean, that's what they all say these days, but. I'll be curious to see what this tastes like as it as it progresses and warms up a little bit. So we'll revisit it at the end of the show. But right now, four, what do I say? Four six? Four six. Four six. All right. All right. All right. All right. Well, I here have this American IPA. I've held, I've heard about Tilted Barn, which is the brewery um that I got uh here. Wait, you, you've never right. had that? No, no, no. I've never had it before. So I saw this on, uh, on the shelf the other day. Shout out to the brew shop where I got my kegs. And I was like, oh, dude, Tilted Barn, I got to do this. Um, so I got Grow, their American IPA, and uh, brewed with a complex malt base, signature house yeast, and hopped with Strata Talus and Vic Secret. Uh, combines wow. are old and new style of beers. I- I'm pretty excited for this. I mean, this this does look pretty. Like, for American IPAs, this, this, is, this is hazy. This is hazy. That's what it is, right? But uh, yeah. moderate, moderate good head retention on there. I'm not seeing anything leak down towards the bottom. I checked the date, I, so it should be good. But uh, I'm, I'm still blown away. You've never had one of those from Tilted Barn? No, Fox Farm was, was like, the first farm like brewery that I went to. That like that I was like all the rage. Uh, like up, I mean up here anyway, because it's out of Rhode Island, and they have the super small facility. Uh, like Cactus was one that was going around a lot. Wow. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. So, while it's a while it's hazy and turbid in color, it definitely is bitter like an American IPA. I I, I do appreciate that about it. Um, I have no frame of reference really for anything else that they've done, right? So I couldn't say, oh, well, as far as farm breweries, you know, it's this good, or you know, it's better than this. Um, that being said, I'll, I'll I'll keep it simple. I'll give it a three eight. It's this is this is pretty good. I got a, a few more in the fridge here. I I shall be enjoying them. Um, just took a massive gulp off of it, and the hot bite was not enough to deter me from going back uh, again. Enough flavor that's packed in, but you can really taste the malt in it. Uh, some folks really like that in American IPAs, that, that sort of style. Not so much me. I'm more of the hot forward guy. Um, so not bad. Not bad at all, Bob. So there you go. That's what's in our cups this week. Go find those beers, and um, you know, by the time you listen to this, it will be you know either Turkey Day or Black Friday, and that means the Bourbon Counties will be out. So uh, if you happen to go out there, look, I shit on Bourbon County for their other beer all the time. What I don't shit on mm-hmm. Bourbon, I mean, Island, uh, Goose Island for is their Bourbon County, right? Uh, so I think I said that wrong. I, sh- I shit on Goose Island <laughs> all the time for the other beers. But when it comes to Bourbon County, I don't. And I don't do that for a few reasons. They adjunct the shit out of their beers, yes. But their barrel program is very, 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 very good. In fact, what actually got me into wild and sour ales in the first place was a Goose Island beer called Lolita and Little Sophie. Um, and it, there was a very, very, very good package size. It was like a 25-ounce bottle. I was drinking Bombers at the time of IPA, so it made a lot of sense. It helped me expand and reach out. And then the first time I had Bourbon County, I think it was like 2016. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And now it's just like crazy. I mean, there's different variations every year. And there are <laughs> Chicago-only versions. And there's the, the reserve version that, uh, that, that you had you know, a couple weeks ago. So I like to do one in, one out. Right, so it's an excuse on Black Friday to go to the grocery store, you know, get some shopping done, and then just, they happen to put them right at the Wegman's desk. So I just go up and I say, "Hey, which variants <laughs> do you have this year? What's the what's the limit? I will take one, one, and one." And then I just 
open up the uh, open up the little you know cabinet, take mm-hmm. one out, put one in. So yeah, for for those of you was, who, uh, who do that, Friday. Yeah, yeah, I was. Uh, I told the story a bunch of times about how that's the beer I proposed or I had after I proposed. So I, I make a deal of, of it every year, and I stop by um, a package store I go to all the time. I work with uh the wife of one of the owners um so we're all kind of close we all chat a little bit so i went in today and uh what was cool is i got invited to join them on their um they're doing an elijah craig barrel proof uh single barrel and i get to go in and help sample and pick the barrel for that store which is kind of cool i've done that a few times for them but he's also like swing by i got you we got the whole line i'll save you a bottle of each one so, uh, I'm hoping he has the full run because there's like the 30th anniversary. There's, I mean, there's, there's a bunch. The, the barley one is a big one. They didn't do that for a little while. God so that, damn the, it. God the, damn it, Tim. Can't you just let me have a little, a little fucking tread. I love just being better than you for one time. God damn it, Tim. God damn it. Hey, I, I yep. You got this one. I will not get any of them. I was mistaken. um yeah no actually so i have one of the goose island ipas i think we had i don't know it was like three months ago i had a four pack said it wasn't it it's literally still sitting in the fridge of course yeah it'll be it'll be one of those you have a couple beers you need something to go back to uh and you're like well all right here we go i'll just finish this because it wasn't the worst yeah but it's not great bob it really isn't great you know what goose island uh, ipa is good for transitioning down off of hard liquor seriously if if you if you had like a and i know we're off the rails here but if you if you had like a really good i don't know like green label blue label right mix a drink an old-fashioned and then you're like oh shit you know what i really want to do is i I just kind of want to i want to have like miller lights you can't just go straight from blue label or elijah craig or eagle rare or four roses you just can't go to miller light i mean you could but your stomach is gonna hate it so you could step Um, down Drink something that's just as rough, which is Goose Island, and then go on to Miller. This is where I realized I need to slow down a little bit on my my whiskey connoisseurism because I felt so appalled by everything you just listed there. <laughs> Why you are correct, they are all hard liquors. I'm like, uh, <laughs> if you're doing Four Roses, it's got to be like a single barrel store pick. If you're doing Elijah Craig, it's got to be a store. I mean, I'm I'm just giving you shit, but. Uh, Tim, you gotta, you know you gotta that... step your game up. We gotta step your game up. Ugh. Ugh. Anyway. Ah! I forget, you know what I you know what I'm gonna do next year? We do a a, a whiskey secret Santa with a, a bunch of buddies of mine. I'll have to get you in that. Interesting. Because you'll get something you won't be able to get ordinarily on your own because everybody has ways and ends and, and, and whatnot. So we'll we'll expand your pal a little bit. Eagle Rare is a great um I don't want to say whiskey. entry point. No, I don't want to say entry point because it it a lot of places sell it for secondary cost, so it's a little higher than what. Like if you can get a single barrel Elijah Craig, meaning that store sampled, picked a barrel, and then that barrel is dedicated to that store, it's still going to be like thirty nine dollars for a bottle, which is reasonable for like good whiskey. I know everyone's used to when I say whiskey, they're thinking like a twenty dollar bottle of Jameson or or Jack Daniels or whatever. If you're listening to this and you didn't get sucked into the whiskey hype that was the pandemic and, and the secondary markets, and you're still kind of like dipping your toe into a little bit, a couple to keep your eye on. 
Buffalo Trace. Uh, any any store pick or single barrel that your liquor stores may have or your package stores may have on hand. Eagle Rare, if you can get it at cost, it's like a $40 bottle. If you see it listed for like $80, $90, pass. Blanton's is another pretty good entry-level one. Unfortunately, people like to, to, to find it, so sometimes those costs get jacked up quite a bit. Some of the Jack Daniels single barrel, which will probably run you like 60, 70 bucks. Those are all really good ones. And then from there, it kind of opens up into like a whole different world. The the thing with whiskeys, do this. Next time you go out to a bar, get an expensive one and then get an inexpensive one. And then like if you're going out and you're going to have a couple cocktails or a couple glasses, shout out to to Neil. Uh, he lived above me in, in Portland. Every time I went up to their place, they spun a little... You know, everybody had them in college, the the rotary shot pours. Yeah. And you just put a shot glass underneath, and you'd spin it, and there was a bunch of different glasses. Every time I went into his house, he was determined to get me to, like, scotch. Uh, but he would mix scotch and whiskey and everything. Every time I went into his house, you had to sample. He would pour me, like, a half a shot or a full shot, no matter what it was. If I went in at 9 in the morning, if I crossed the threshold, I was taking a drink. And what we would do is we would do an expensive one, a cheap one, expensive one, cheap one, expensive one, cheap one. And the moment you're like, oh, oh, there's the difference. It like clicks and you're like, oh, shit. I think I kind of actually like drinking this. Like I drank scotch for like 10 years after that. And now whiskey, I mean, I've always enjoyed whiskey, even back when I was in college. Like I enjoyed the the taste of like a good whiskey. But now like I, I won't drink a Jameson. <laughs> I can't. I can't bring myself to drink a Jameson. So, next time you're out, Sam, Schnapp! at a bar that has a good whiskey menu, get one good one and one cheap one. And I bet as soon as you taste the difference between two of them, you're like, oh, there it is. It's like people getting into IPAs. Like, oh my God, this is garbage. And then they have a good one. And you're like, oh, oh, okay. So, this is what this could taste like. They're sweeter, like the higher the proof. The more flavor that tends to come out of it, but you got to be accustomed to that like little peppery burn that sometimes comes with those. But you get sweeter notes out of some of them. You get a lot of vanilla, a lot of oak, a lot of, uh, especially if you avoid the less smoky ones, you get a lot of like coriander and cinnamon and like, tell me, man, get a couple good ones under your belt. We, we anyway. might as well just if we if we had beards, which you you do from time to time, we should just shave it and just keep our mustaches and wax tip them, you know, and curl them up at the end. Because between that and wearing Kangle caps, that's that's what this podcast is devolving to. Let's talk some NFL here. We're going to recap the games last week. Um, look, mm-hmm. one all three, I got two. You only ahead by one all time. You got fourteen all time. I got thirteen. Um. I, I would going back, I would still pick the way that I pick, right? But uh, we'll get into this here. Commanders, Texans. The, the game starts with a pick six, practically, which was fantastic. Um, the commanders have taken a lot of heat, rightfully so. But these wins, and you know, it's good for Taylor Heineke to get out there and do what he's doing, trolling on social media. Um, on ES, ESPN Daily, I think it was yesterday, um, Alex Smith talked about you know, how they brought Heineke in, right? about how he was a COVID quarterback. He was the breaking case of glass quarterback because he was out of the league. He, he didn't make it. And, and then they brought him on. They said, hey, we need someone. You know, he, he, he passed the workout. And then, you know, next thing you know, uh, after the, the gruesome injury, he's in there, he's playing. 
and they're going to the playoff game against the Bucks. And and he looks like, you know, he knows what he's doing. So it was only a matter of time, I think, before it came back to that. I applaud them for giving the shot to Carson Wentz, but uh, you know, he's on IR, been designated to return, but still Heineke is the guy going forward. That being said, the Texans are a dumpster fire, very dumpster fire. I don't know why we're getting Cardinals in season hard knocks, because I really want to see the dysfunction that's going on in Houston. But all <laughs> things considered. Which is strange, by the way. Like, you, you would have thought, you know, obviously the departing of Deshaun Watson, he was kind of like the, the staple on that team. But the Texans were always like part of the conversation. And for them to have like a sharp fall off and just disappear into nothing was just a little bizarre. A little bizarre. I was not expecting that. A little startling. Why don't you tell us about Jets Patriots? Because this game yeah. is pretty momentous uh, for being 3 3 for 57 minutes of this game, 58 minutes of this game. Uh, and then what's happened since? Yeah, so <clears throat> this is one of those games that come along a couple times in a season and, and you kind of forget about them or you, or you don't anticipate it. And then when it comes, this was a this was the NFL equivalent of a pitcher's duel where it was just strictly defense this entire game. Both of these teams matched up, have some of the best, if not the best, defensive position players in the entire league. The Jets have been playing extremely well all season, and this is one of those that, like, it. it what's very strange is the way the game finished, you would think both quarterbacks played like shit. Not exactly the tail of the tape when you really get down to the actual brass tacks of the game for one side of it. <laughs> we'll get into the other side of it in a moment. But <clears throat> Mac Jones, a lot of people look at this and say he only got 10 points. Well, the Jets have uh, like some of the best defensive players in those positions. They rank top 10 in, in uh, yards per game. Defensively, they rank top 10 in points allowed per game defensively. There's a lot of things on this defensive side that doesn't get a lot of credit, but it's something that's worth paying attention to because their offense isn't necessarily what's been keeping them in a lot of games. So we all know Belichick is defensive first. That's what his bread and butter has been the entire time. We saw that as far back as, you know, the greatest show on turf where like team after team after team, when big games come up, he has found ways to scheme defensively to keep them off the board and to kind of confuse them. He did it to Mahomes. He did it to, to Warner. He did it like all the way down Matt Ryan when you had the the comeback victory where they literally shut down the Falcons. There's a lot of that that took place in this game. So Mac Jones, he had this sort of like because it wasn't a blowout game. His stat line kind of went under the radar because he didn't throw a touchdown. Just the, the Jets' defense was was phenomenal. He was 23 of 27 with 246 yards, zero turnovers. So like, he was super, super efficient. They just couldn't convert when it came down to it because the Jets' defense was just on it every single time. Now... Not exactly the same story on the other side of the ball, and it sort of caused a little bit of a fallout. Zach Wilson looked just perplexed most of this game. Uh, he finished with a total of 77 yards. He only had nine completions. I heard, I, I don't remember the exact number, but they, I think in the entire second half, they, they had a total net yardage of like 
seven inches or something, something yeah, crazy. Like negative twenty-seven yards that they had gained. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was just. It. it was just awful, and it wasn't because he was throwing interceptions. He got sacked four times. Shout out to uh, was it Judon? I think who who ended up with with most of them. Defensive player game. of the year candidate at this point, Matt Judon. Oh, just for sure, unbelievable for- talent. Like Belichick, this team should have been way way worse. But somehow Belichick yeah. was like, no no no, just like he did with Ninkovich, just like he did with um, Collins. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, he yeah. goes to that one person and he goes, "You are the guy. You hold everything together. Yep. What do you want? I will pay you, but I will pay no one else." <laughs> yeah, and it, it's just one of those like. This was this was literally like the the defensive juggernauts matching up. Now that I mean, the problem with Zach Wilson is that one, he missed a lot of throws, a lot of throws. Not all of them were his fault. A couple of them were, you know. There's this. There's a. I mean, it's it's always happened, but it seems to be a, a more frequent trend this season with receivers jumping and going for body catches, and it's. Not working out all the time. We've seen it across the board for a lot of different teams. But he had a couple. Um, I mean, he had one that was thrown right up the middle that would have been a first down where the receiver, who had phenomenal ups, was up and ended up catching the ball almost waist high, arms out, and just biffed it. Like, just couldn't bring it in. So, some of it is him. I mean, some of, some of it's drops, but majority of it, it's just him not making passes. He was missing guys all over the place. You could see the frustration building up on the team. He missed a couple late game, wide open receivers, just not paying attention, um, which happens. You can go back, you can pull up tape on almost every quarterback and see that that's the case. The problem was press conference after the game where they talked about it and he took almost zero accountability. Did you let your defense down today? Nope. Nope. And kind of like he was very dis- dismissive about taking any blame. And it wasn't until uh, today when the Jets announced that he was no longer, he wasn't going to be starting this weekend. He issued an apology of sorts to try and win back his team, saying he had a sick feeling in his stomach and, and, and whatnot. Now, to his credit, he's young. He plays in New York, which is a very aggressive uh, fan base. So there's a lot of pressure on that position. And whether he was trying to emote some level of confidence, uh, coming out saying, I, you know, uh, there, there are some things, you know, that, you know, we, we talk a lot. Everybody, we're, we're, we're all communicating well. There's some things that, you know, I wish they could be doing better. And, and they clearly, and obviously, you know, think that there are things that I'm, I could be doing better. But none of it's animosity. We're all, foot in mouth like you uh you know anybody at this point by the time you hear this that watches any sort of sports talk radio is going to hear the same thing over and over quarterbacks easily the most favorable position in all of the nfl right like you are extended certain liberties that other players aren't you're taken care of very well you tend to make a lot of money uh with that comes the responsibility of owning your losses, right? That's whenever I hear someone talk about like Tom Brady and his arrogance and whatnot, not once in that man's career did he ever come out, win or lose, and say anything other than like, it's on me. We could have done things better. You know, it's never, not once did he ever come out and say like, well, you know, they could be playing better, but you know, I could also be playing better. The moment you deflect that blame, you lost everybody. You are, 
the spearhead of that entire team. And there's no way around it. Whether you're the captain or not, you are the spearhead of that team. You are the reason they score points. You are the reason the defense gets set up for success. You are the reason when you're not taking care of the ball that your team is losing. Like there's, there's a lot of things that go on. There's a lot of quarterbacks who have gone out and had successful seasons where their defense is terrible because you take ownership of a lot of that. But the moment it feels or you hint at deflecting blame, especially if you're talking the offensive side, like, yeah, I get it. You, you can, you can maybe suggest your defense or, or, but still the quarterback should never be that person. You should, um, eat it just. All the time. <laughs> yeah. It's just, no, that's I, gotta I, be it. I definitely, I, I do, I agree with you on that. And it's gonna be people who are gonna be like, oh my God, the social media people got them canceled. No, Sam, you, not Sam. Jeez, I can't believe I'm saying that. Zach Wilson got himself canceled there. That's what he did. Yeah. He, he was, he was lobbed a softball question and he didn't prepare for it. Much in the same way he probably didn't prepare by watching film for this game. The team is five and two under his title this year. <laughs> Yeah. You should have some sort of respect for yourself and want to build upon that. And to go into a game against a very tough division opponent whom you get regularly beat up on. And every time your defense yeah, and your defense gets them nothing but three points. And you just say, No, I don't think I let the team down. Whereas when Josh Allen lost to you two weeks ago, what did he do? He said, I let the team down. Maybe I'm running, maybe I'm taking too many hits, maybe I need to do some other stuff, right? Like he 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 went out there and did that. Patrick Mahomes does that. Brady does that. Lamar does that. Like that is the mark of being a quarterback. If you sign a a, a first round, you know, <laughs> draft contract, there should be some unwritten rule somewhere, or maybe a little, you know, a little clause, you know, meet on the ninth green at uh, at nine p.m. or whatever. You know what I mean? Where you just know, <laughs> eh, right? That this is this this is some shit that you just do. You're supposed to take the lumps, and when 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 you win, we won. When when you lose, I lost this this game because of X, Y, and Z. I don't even play football. Never played a snap of football in my life, and I realized that's the way it's supposed to go. So, um, I I mean, if you're the coach Robert Sala, you're in a tough tough spot there, right? Do you not bench the, the quarterback? Because I mean, what if you lose the locker room? But which you... which is which is a clear sign of what happened, right? Because if we're being yeah. honest, like five and two is a better record than like half of the entire NFL, and you benched him. Because he lost the game, it's because he well five I'm and two sure. since five and two since he started playing right because yeah, yeah, he, he, he I mean. was out the beginning part of the season when Joe Flacco was in there elite that's Joe what Flacco, I mean by the way he he yeah he was five and two as a starter since they brought him in and you still got benched which goes to show how much discord was pro- I mean it it could be one of two things right this is all speculation I'm I am not part of the media even though we have this this podcast we're not reaching out we we we're not speaking to teams so a lot of what we're talking about is is speculation of course this could be nothing more than like an example making where like you're trying to humble the kid and you're trying to teach him a lesson so you pull him for this game and maybe you start on the next game or it could be a sign that there's so much you know animosity in that locker room that you were forced to do something like going into this game belichick was 35 and 7 against the jets so the writing was kind of there on the wall, but you have a struggling Pats team who's still trying to find their identity. You had a streaking Jets team, which I think is still going to go on and, and play well. I don't know what their quarterback situation is ultimately going to end up looking like. Like White. I think it's going to end up hurting them in the long run. You, you got to tough it out, and the kid needs to endure his losses. But 
So the, the move to pull him right now seems strange. Like, he's lost two of seven games. That's that's a bit bizarre. And he lost this one by a pick six. I mean, uh, sorry, by a, a punt return. The first punt return since, like, what was it? Like, week one or week two or something like that? There's, like, all these stats that just got thrown out there when this when this went down. And that's that's the reason they lost the game. Special teams ultimately cost them this game. So it's just it's it's it was a weird there's gonna be more to this story that's gonna come out. I have a feeling that this is more just a moment to like set it to make an example and to help teach him a, a life lesson because he'll you know become better after this. But I don't I don't know. Yeah. Oof. That that's that's uh, we we can talk about this online, I'm sure. Um yeah. it, it was it was very interesting. And once again, Bill Belichick just chuckles from over there and good old Foxborough. Vince <laughs> 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 the quarterback. You know what I mean? Because like obviously in the AFC East it it's a tight playoff race. All the teams are in a tight playoff race. So genius when you can thump a team like that. Speaking of thumping, Cowboys Vikings. Listen, there's been a lot of conversation, a lot of talk about what the Vikings look like in primetime under the lights versus what they look like in not primetime. Um, and to be honest, they were 8-1 and one going into this game, so you would think, like, all right, cool. Like, they are they are pretty great. So Darius Smith said before the game, we're going to be 9-1 and one today, and then that did not happen. And it did not happen because the Dallas Cowboys played probably one of the most complete, if not the most complete game of their season, absolutely thrashing them. Uh, you know, the game was pretty, I want to say, pretty much out of hand by halftime, right? You you could conceivably make, you know, uh, an example and say, well, you know, they could have kept it close. You know, they were only down 10 or whatever it happened to be at that time. The big problem is when you lose the momentum train, it's very hard to get it back. And I think that of everything that they possibly could have done in that game, the Vikings just were completely flat. They just didn't have what they needed when it when it came to when it came down to it. I mean, the Vikings scored three points. And they only scored those three points in the first quarter. That's it. That there was there was nothing else. They did nothing else for the rest of the game. And Tony Pollard, massive wheel route touchdowns that apparently the Vikings just didn't know how to defend against and didn't do anything. Like Tony Pollard, two touchdown catches, career one 189 yards. It doesn't matter how many chains Kirk Cousins had on. It doesn't matter what kind of Instagram videos he's in. When your defense gives up that amount of points and that amount of yards, your responsibility as an offense is to go out there and get it going. And for whatever reason, this is Dan Campbell's defense that finally, finally gelled and played, like I said, their most complete game of the year. Teams should be very scared of, of playing Dallas Cowboys going forward because Dak is back. Zeke and Tony, I mean, you, you can say what you want. Zeke is obviously you know, not, not the best version of himself, but when Pollard's there, he doesn't really have to be. He just needs to kind of punch between the, t- between the tackles like E.D. Lamb. Tight ends getting, getting, getting loose. Like This team seems to be able to score points at will, and that means they can come back from a lot of things. But their defense, man, their defense was just chef's kiss in this one. So very glad that I picked the Cowboys in that one. There's a lot of hype about the Cowboys being Super Bowl favorite. Not willing to go there yet. Not willing mm. to go there. Got to see a couple more games. But I was very glad that I got this pick right. I mean, especially because there's going to be 
I don't know. Just see some of the news articles from today talking about how there's someone's got to be taking a pay cut and they're looking at Zeke. Yeah. And uh, well, you, you pay a dude ninety six million dollars. You know what I mean? But it, like, think about it. it yeah, but if, but NFL players haven't exactly been known to uh, willingly true. give away money, especially a high profile player like. However, Zeke. if the rumor is that Odell Beckham Jr. is going to come there, Zeke takes that pay cut. Hundred percent, he takes that pay cut. Uh, why, why, you, you it, talking it would make about no sense me? not to. It would make no sense feed, not to. Feed me, feed me Zeke Elliott. So here's well, what I mean, here's what they'd have to do. You get it tattooed on your belly, and then you watch another another receiver and another you know running back get fed. I, I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe get it covered up, but uh, yeah, I don't know. There's uh, I don't know. I I'm I'm willing to bet. Also, are you nursing that beer? What's it? What? No, I I drank it halfway and I started pouring in the other beer. <laughs> you're mixing beers two of the same beer all right fair enough all right fair, fair enough fair enough all right i was like holy shit why is that still a full glass um sorry oh, maybe we're in the matrix tim you don't even know <laughs> all right um i had the next one was bill's browns i know this seems like a layup but i was really curious to see what this game was going to look like uh after coming off of you know, the rough patch that they did have. And I got to be honest, this wasn't exactly like the bounce back game that it gave the appearance that it could be. Um, this was like a running showcase more than anything. Uh, both Singletary and James Cook had eighty exactly 86 yards apiece. So this was more of an exposure of the Browns' run defense than anything else this wasn't Allen going out and throwing the ball all over the place he only finished with 197 yards and one touchdown um he only completed 18 passes so this was not a airing it out showcase and i'm starting to wonder if it's because you know with media talk and you know the the losses that they've taken if he's starting to get a little gun shy and hold off on throwing the ball quite as much and and risk making poor decisions. All anybody's talked about for the last two weeks has been his poor decision making that goes along with his great ability to extend plays. It's like a a trade off. And this, I mean, he had twenty seven attempts. That's kind of mid range for what he does, but uh, there wasn't a lot of risky throws. He he made a lot of safe passes. Um, average yardage was like eleven for the days. So there were a lot of like dunk and dimes and just trying to keep drives going. Uh but this was clearly a uh a running showcase and a defensive showcase here. Um Jacoby Brissett, however, came out and played his ass off because I'm sure he's sitting there thinking like, hey man, while our team isn't the best team, we're three and seven, I think he's done a lot to help, you know, maybe earn a little bit of consideration and maybe fill in the team around him a little bit. They lost a bunch of players. Kareem Hunt is not who he was. You Basically, outside of Chubb, you have an old Amari Cooper who's not quite living up to, to what you expected when they come in. Kareem Hunt hasn't been the same for like the last three years. So you don't have a, a, a ton of weapons. People Jones? Like, who are you looking at on that team? I mean, I don't... To be fair, I'm not saying Jacoby Brissett is like an elite quarterback, but he 
threw 324 yards. He had 28, uh, 28 completions of 41 attempts. So, like, it wasn't a terrible game. Uh, your defense just let you down is what it, what it came down to. Um, no picks. He did have a fumble that he did lose that ended up turning into points for, for the Bills. My takeaway from this game, though, is that the Bills seem off. There's something that's not there that was there at the be- at the end of last season and the beginning of this season, and I can't put my finger quite on what that is yet, whether it's confidence waning a little bit on Allen's behalf. I don't think anybody's lost confidence in him, but, you know, late-game fumbles, interceptions, like that kind of stuff can really kind of screw around with your, your psyche coming into some of these games, but something there is is off. And I can't, I really can't put my finger on what that is, but something, something isn't making sense. Something's not adding up. And I got like going forward, I'm not the most confident in picking the Bills in, in any of these scenarios, right? Like they were, they had a shit ton of field goals in this game, which is why ultimately they ended up winning this game. But I mean, it's not, I don't know. They haven't looked the same for about four weeks, and I and I can't quite figure it out. It could be the UCL injury that he's nursing. Could be teams finally watching enough film and catching on to their concepts and not getting destroyed over the top, you know, and just saying pick your poison one or two. Like midseason changes are definitely a thing that occur there. Um, but yeah, I I sort of expected it to be a little out of hand, and to to not see it that way. To to see it. To be within conceivable range, I was like, mm, "Okay, what are we doing here? Are you, yeah. are you really putting your best effort out there, or are you just going out there and saying, Luigi, all right, just run the go route, and then just so, chuck it up, and see what happens.' You know what I mean? Like so know, the offensive coordinator is like, "I got this 15 word play," and Josh is like, "Yeah, fam, I got you." Got this <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, dude, it, it's when you know you have an A on the group project and you have to go to class on the last day. You're just saying, "I'm here." I'm sober. I will be presenting this project. Tim, take it away. And then you get an A. You know what I mean? That's what the Bills Dude, are doing I mean, right now. Shout, shout out to Tyler Bass if you had him on your fantasy team. Gotcha. Like if you're in one of the te- if you're in a, in a in a league that has a kicker and he was on there, dude made six field goals. He was responsible for eighteen of their points. Yep. Literally more than half of their thirty-one points was thanks to their uh thanks to their kicker. So anybody anybody who thinks kickers don't matter, uh I mean no, they really do. <laughs> there you go. Right. They really yeah. do. They yeah. really do. All right, my last uh, pick here, Ram Saints. I, I don't know if this is just fear of being in the same division, uh the Seahawks is them and just knowing what they're capable of, but if you want to talk about something that's wrong with the with the team like the Bills, the Rams have completely fallen apart. Completely fallen apart. I, I don't mm-hmm. think it's just OBJ not being there that opens up the rest of the offense. I think it's injury. I think it's um, maybe a little coach drain. Maybe maybe it's a Super Bowl hangover. But, like, you lose to a team like the Saints with Andy mm-hmm. Dalton. And you give up a, a 60-yard touchdown to Chris Olave. Like, you know that that's going to be his thing. You know that, right? But, like, you sell out on defense because you trust the back end. You pay Jillian Ramsey all that money. You have other other defensive backs there. Like you have, you have to trust them. But for whatever reason, the Rams just don't have the same amount of power 
in their in their punches anymore. Mm-hmm. And as a Seahawks fan, I, I love to see it. I absolutely love to see it. I, w- I want that division to fall apart. And if it's just a, a two horse race between San Fran and Seattle, then cool. Let's duke it out. We've seen where that story goes in the past. This is the new chapter, and it's it's invigorating. I want very desperately for the Rams and the Cardinals to be mathematically eliminated, so that they just maybe want to play, you know, scared or play tough, and you you can coach against that. I think the Rams sh- have no excuse for being this way. None, in my opinion. They have an incredible defense that is aging, but they have Bobby Wagner, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. You have a key playmaker at every level of your defense. Accordingly, you should be able to stop teams from putting up points on you. You just should. Even if you're slower, and that's your knock against the Rams, you should be able to do it, right? On the offensive side of the ball, yes, the running game is suspect because Cam Akers wasn't playing football, tried to trade him, couldn't get traded, is in street clothes. Daryl Henderson gets waived today. All the fantasy owners who picked up Kyron Williams off of IR are like, what are we doing here? Who is the starter? If you got Allen Robinson because you thought, oh my God, Cooper Cup goes down, he's on IR, we're totally going to be able to get all kinds of fantasy points. You get a touchdown and 20 yards a week. That's what you get. Like, for, for a, a genius, wonderkind coach in Sean McVay, you get one 60-yard bomb to 2-2 Atwell and nothing else the rest of the game. That's it? That's it? You know, I just, mm. I got to feel like there's, there's something missing with this team. You know what I mean? We expected mm. this team to be a contender because of the way that they bring a lot of the players back and just not seeing it. And I'm just, I'm very surprised by it, to be honest. Mm. I, I, and I think it's because I know there'll be a change coming, whether it's, you know, people, people getting waived or, you know, midseason adjustments. But like, you should not lose to the Saints. If you lose to the Saints 45, 42, cool. You put Damn. 42 up. You should have won that. I smell foul play afoot. Why? You said we were three for three last week? Yeah. You were, take a not look. me. You know, I think you, you, you haven't indicated you're three for three here. Nope. Yeah. Sure don't. Uh-huh. Check, check. X. Right. Check, check, check. All right. All foul right, play. Right. Maybe you, I'm mistaken. You're in the lead. How could I be fucking foul play? Come on. <clears throat> Anyways. The Rams, anyway. the Rams got some shit to figure yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, am I the only one that's like shocked by how bad they actually are this season? Because like something, something is amiss, right? Like Stafford looks a little like garbage. Concussion will do that to you, though, right? Yeah, but I mean, concussion is like standard protocol for for anybody now. But like Aaron Darnold, not looking like the same. I, I mean. Something. This is another one of those teams that's a little perplexing. Like, I don't think Ramsey's the same player anymore. I don't think Aaron Donald's playing to the same level. We had a lot of expectations coming into the season for that Rams defense, and then Stafford and Acres. Acres has. I don't want to say he's not living up to the hype, but kind of, kind of not living up to the hype. I mean, if we're being honest, like there's something, yeah. something's it, off there. It would be interesting to take a look back and see that Brandon Staley is kind of being lampooned for his defense not, you know, showing out in the other team in Los Angeles. Yet Sean McVay, without Brandon Staley, doesn't have a defense. So it's like very clear that like one thing is the change there. So if you have the players and you have the offensive or the defensive skill set and the mind behind it, everything matches up and dovetails perfectly. When you don't have one or the other, it falls apart. 
Well, that's what that's what I think. I'm kind of. I mean, you have Allen Robinson, but you have like a a, a Tyler Higby. Like, if you, your your primary target is a Tutu Atwell, like I'm. I mean, I'm. There's a lot that's a little just interesting in this game. Like Higby, I think his most on the season is 73 yards in the game. I'm just trying to figure out like where those deficiencies are. I mean, Allen Robinson is obviously their their star on that side of the ball, or he was supposedly by coming into the season had the highest expectations, but the most he's had in any game were 63 touchdowns. And he's only got three touchdowns. I mean, uh, 63 yards. He's only got three touchdowns on the season. So, like, this is, I don't know if this is a, a Stafford problem or if this is just the overall offense not living up to what our expectations were. But there's nobody on this team that I'd be looking at and being like, ah, that's the, that's the reason they're winning or, or that's the star. This was a defensive-minded team that happened to do well offensively last season, and I think that's kind of getting exposed a little bit with your defenses are playing up to the to the level of their expectations. And I'm wondering if this is sort of the, I don't want to say the beginning of the end, but, you know, you had that climb with with Darnold and, and Ramsey, I think it's been kind of like up and down for the last few seasons, and I think kind of pinning your defense on those two players may not be suiting you going into the future. Yeah, I don't think so. Tell us about the 49ers and Cardinals. That was Monday night, Mexico City. Yeah. I, I was at a, a 90s concert, and, I, and we didn't, I caught the end I'm of the I'm sorry, game. what? I was at a 90s concert. I watched this band called White Ford Bronco. They play in the, uh, the D.C., Maryland, Virginia uh, area, and all they do is play 90s songs. It was great. Yeah, so if you don't know that reference... Then you're too young for this podcast. Uh, <laughs> we do have the explicit tag, so I mean, I would think most eighteen-year-olds yeah. know about. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one. Uh, I mean, Jimmy G coming in against Colt McCoy. If, you, if I mean, yeah, on paper that seems a little bit more similar, and statistically, it wasn't that far off. Actually, uh, Colt <laughs> actually had more completions than uh, Jimmy G did in uh not that many more attempts um but this is just the the cardinals getting exposed defensively um jimmy g came out looking like a stud he had four touchdowns 228 yards uh took care of the ball well had no turnovers but this isn't something where there was like any any one number stood out and kind of blew you up it was just the the cardinals not being able to put any any real meaningful drives together you had um kittle obviously he's going to come out and and put up a, an ass load of yardage and, and kind of keep you in some games elijah mitchell did it uh did his part christian mccaffrey was i mean it, this wasn't necessarily like a, a run game situation where they just got dominated he had 39 yards on the day and they only had one running touchdown all together so this was this was just kind of a i think i think we're we're seeing a cardinals game that's playing at like Fifty percent, if I'm being honest, yeah. like something, something with this team. This is another one. Like I feel like we're 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 parrots tonight and just saying the same shit over and over again. But the Cardinals Brock, is the something's team. Something's wrong with the team, Brock. Yeah. What's 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 bizarre is that like nobody's talking about the the Cardinals and how bad they are, right? Like I know they're you know they're they're, they're a little injury plagued, but I haven't heard anybody anywhere tearing apart the Cardinals for just how bad. They they have been this they're four and seven and the losses that they've taken have been like 
like pretty pretty painful losses. And I get you're without your starter, but even when he was in, it's not like they were running through teams either. They had a they had a good season last year. Coming into the season, you had a lot of high expectations. Uh, thought Kyler Murray might be making that turn and, and and playing better than what a lot of people expected. And they just, I mean, they beat the Raiders, they beat the Panthers, which everybody should do. They beat the Saints, and then they beat the Rams. We just talked about how the Rams have been a pretty trash team. The Raiders are clearly a struggling team. Let's not even talk about the Panthers. We won't waste any air on that. You could say. You could say the Saints, maybe. I don't know who started that game on the opposite side of the ball, but I mean, the Saints are a team that can, you know, kind of screw with your game plan a little bit, but they're just not, they're just not stringing it together, right? They had the the, the Saints game, they scored 42 points. Otherwise, they're, they're like mid 20s most of the season, but they're also giving up 20 plus points every single game. It's just, it's another weird. It's another part of this very weird season, this surreal season that we've had, where you don't really know what you're going to get week after week. It's just consistently you're not getting the Cardinals winning. That's that's the only consistent thing we're not that we are getting this season. So it's I don't know. Like I said, I'm not going to spend too much time on this game. I'm not betting on the Cardinals at all this season. I got, I got to see a little bit more uh, in terms of bounce back, um, especially when uh, nobody I don't think has ever heard of. Uh, Tracy McSorley. Uh, Tracy which, yeah. Well, I mean, you do if you if you're an NFC. Oh, yeah, Trace. I mean, sorry, yeah. Trace. Trace McSorley. I mean, why he played for Baltimore for two seasons. He played for Arizona for two seasons, and he started right. a total. There have been sometimes where it, you know the team will either be losing so bad they put him in, or the team will be winning so much that they put him in, or you see him in the preseason, right? So like, you know, he's got some snaps here or there, but uh, he's almost, almost had as many. Uh, games played as he has completions in the league. <laughs> he has six games in which he has made an appearance and in three seasons he has had a total of 11 completions. It's not great. Total career attempts is uh, uh, 24 passes. So uh Hey, you never know. Maybe that's the secret sauce, right? There's no film on him, so just go out there and just. Uh, the dude has. See what happens. Career, 161 yards, total. This is where you're going to tell me you 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 could throw 161 yards. This, in 20. This is where like the worst quarterback that started yesterday probably had more than 160 yards. Yeah, that's that's a possibility. It's a very good possibility. This man's football career. <laughs> Just, if I didn't want to watch Hard Knocks, I definitely don't want to watch Hard Knocks in season. I mean, I'm going to watch Hard Knocks because I want to see the Lions, but uh, uh, yeah, man. All right, so this week you got three, I got two. You're at 14 all-time, I'm at 13 all-time. I got two right, you got three right. Now we're going to go into our Turkey Day predictions. We got three games on Turkey Day, and there is a game on Black Friday that Amazon Prime is broadcasting as part of their contractual agreement. I don't know who it is at the moment. I'll look it up. But we got Bills, Lions, Cowboys, Giants, Patriots, Vikings. And the only way to do this is we go down the list. We pick. You know, it's only fair. We only care about the football that happens. I don't, I don't have a Friday game. There's no Friday game on the schedule. No, there there is. They they have one. I don't. I don't know, man. I don't know. Friday football. 
Do you, are you Don't. like a week or two early? Mm, no. This is why we're doing it live. Yeah, right. I I will look it up. I I, I thought for sure they had a they had a game this year. Pro Football Reference does not have a game scheduled for Friday. We have three Thursday, and then everything else on on Sunday. But we are, and then one on Monday. But we're right around the corner from like Saturday football. That's true. We are. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe I got confused. Okay. Uh game one. Mm-hmm. Bills Lions. We don't have to talk too much about this. I love what I saw from the Lions last week. I loved, 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 loved seeing them just absolutely trade blows with the Chicago Bears. This is exactly what Dan Campbell told us in the beginning part of the season they were going to do. They're like boxers. You're going to knock us down. We're going to take a chunk out of you on the way down, and we're going to get up. You're going to keep putting us down on the mat. We're going to keep getting up. That's what's happening. The team is building something here, and I think it's good. That being said, this is not the coming out game. I do think this game, like you mentioned earlier, because there's something a little off with the Bills, this game's going to be closer, I think we think. This is not going to be like a 40-20 to 20 kind of game. This is going to be like a 35-28 kind of game. That's the way I see this kind of going. Um, hmm. I do think the Bills will outlast the Lions, but the Lions are at that point in the year now where they got to make a business decision. Are we going to win some games? Or are we going to almost win some games and then hopefully get, you know, another top tackle to go with Penny Sewell and just maybe take a, a shot on a quarterback and just really kind of think about the next two or three years for this football team. Jamal Williams had three rushing touchdowns last week. DeAndre Swift has had all the time to get ready and come back and be healthy. And one of the greatest memes I saw this week was a picture of DeAndre Swift, and it said Ticketmaster, Taylor Swift, both pissing off Swift fans since 2022. Which was fantastic because if you're a DeAndre Swift fan, you wanted more points. You don't want to see Jamal Williams get three touchdowns. But I want the Lions to score points. They're going to score points here, but I don't think they're going to beat the Bills. What, what's do, you the Lions, do you know the Lions are in the top 10 uh, for points? Yeah, points per game. I did not. Uh, for the Bills. They are, however, 32nd in points allowed per game. So <laughs> exactly that's that, that that to me that to me one of these things is not like the other one <laughs> the bills are second in the league for points scored and they're fifth in terms of points allowed so i think um barring i mean i i think the bills are going to continue to struggle while they try and figure out whatever this weird i don't know hiccup or whatever we want to call it is in what they've got going on right now whether this is play calling or or whatever there's something clearly off in terms of uh, how this team is playing together. But, I mean, this this does pose itself as the perfect get-right game. Um, the Lions are 4-6. and six, Bills are 7-3. and three. I mean, it's it's just one of those that offensively, that's it's just a really bad matchup. Um, as you sort of continue to work your way down the, the stats list, it, it's going to be clear what this game is going to look like. The... Bills are going to lean on scoring more. It's probably going to be a very run-heavy game because uh, defensive yards per game uh, on the, the Detroit side, they rank 31st in the league. So they're 28th in terms of pass defense. The problem is the pass defense for the Bills is also suspect. They rank like middle of the pack. They're 20th uh, uh, in the league. So you're probably going to see a lot of runs in this game. Um 
if they can get the passing game together and they can actually start connecting, uh, this you may see potentially some some pretty big stuff. Uh, if, if you got digs, I don't know if I'm necessarily leaning on digs for this one, uh, but I would hey, say Davis, Singletary, maybe yeah. uh, his backup running back there. Although what what we may end up seeing is once they start having this this could be like a confidence builder right so once once they get the running game going they start exposing the Lions defense a little bit it may open up some receivers and this could be an opportunity for Allen to kind of get himself right and 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 pick his spots here and and make some uh like confidence building moves I want to see a couple you know deep passes not not so many of these little five to seven to ten yard passes just to keep plays going. I want to see him to take some shots because he's capable of doing it. I think his confidence is just kind of shot a little bit. I think it'll be run heavy, at least in the first half, depending on how the, how they end up um, in terms of, of scoring-wise. This could be like a second half aired out, let's just see how this goes type situation. But I don't know if I'm necessarily going to go so far as to say this is a blowout, but um, I do think this is one where I'm uneasily going to take the Bills because I could see them fucking around and, and you know, let's say there's uneasily someone comes up lame or someone's not, uh, 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 you know, let's let's say the running game doesn't get going. Then it starts getting a little a little dicier. But uh, I'm going to go Bills, but I'm not going to say by my, I'm going to say seven at most. Oof. Yeah, that that's what I think. I think, you know, 35. Uh, twenty-eight. I, I think that's 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 probably where it could be at. I, I think it. I think the Lions will definitely score some points. All right, Cowboys Giants. I just said Cowboys played their most complete game of the season last week, forty to three. I don't see that happening here. The Giants have found their way over the last couple of weeks since they come out of the bye. Run game, defense is looking okay, and Mister One Daniel Jones. Running the football when he needs to, throwing the football when he needs to, making better choices. He's still like he's still gonna get that one interception a game, and you, sometimes your your team is better enough that it doesn't hurt you. Sometimes that is not the case. That being said, like I'm not necessarily worried about the Cowboys in this game. It's a division game. This is probably the first legitimate shot the Cowboys have deep at the number one seed in the NFC. Uh, if if they can get the Eagles to lose a little bit, they can still play spoiler, like down the stretch here. Cowboys need to win this game, big time. Big time need to win this game. And I think that they're beginning to gel, and they have much more weapons at their disposal than the Giants do at this point. And that is why I'm going that way. I'm. There's, it's not an indictment against the Giants. They're a good football team this year. I think the Giants can still make the postseason. The Cowboys need this game more, though. You know? And I, I just feel like that's that's going to lead to them eking it out. I think it'll be closer than we want it to be. Again, but uh, I, I think the Cowboys ultimately win this game. Uh, <clears throat> this is tough when I find myself, and this is... I, I almost don't want to say it out loud. I don't know if I should say it out loud. Um, <laughs> I find myself, for some reason, pulling for some of these New York teams this yeah. only be only because and i've said this before and it's on record so nobody can claim that i'm i'm, I'm presenting any level of, of homerism but i like when the divisions i play in are more competitive i really do um 
And while, you know, the Giants and the history that's going on there, I still want the matchups to always be good team against good team and whatnot. So if it ever came down to it, I would want the Patriots. I, I would want the Patriots at their best and the Giants at their best because I don't ever want to hear about helmet catch or any of that nonsense again. But um, <clears throat> David Tyree, how did he catch it? Yeah, no, I. This one's a, this one's a tough one for me because I was singing the praises of the Cowboys last season and coming to this season, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, and then I and then I had some questions about. How well I thought, uh, uh, I thought this was going to play out, uh, once Rush was benched because I thought Rush was doing enough to kind of keep himself in this game, uh, in, in the conversation for having that starting position. But now that Prescott's back, it's a little like, yeah, you know, well, you know, we'll kind of go and see how it is, but. Daniel Jones has been semi-inconsistent to the point where a lot of folks are still wondering if he is that guy. Like, if he's the guy that's going to be under center next season, if this is just sort of uh which is very strange to say because they're 7-3. and three. Like, I don't know how you look at a 7-3 and three team and say, yeah, you think that quarterback's going to be the same guy? Like, I get it. He hasn't. I mean, he only has nine touchdowns on the season. Is less than two thousand yards on the season, but like you're you had Jimmy G in on the Niners spot for a while, and a lot of people were making an argument saying that he was a good game manager and was helping put them in the position to win games, even though he wasn't necessarily responsible for a lot of the offensive output, the run game, the the weapons he had were were making situations better. And I think when you have Saquon, uh and like Darius Slayton playing at a high level, they're probably more responsible, I would say, than than I would put Daniel Jones. Um, but like it's it's, it's kind of hard to argue against what you've seen. But <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. This is a tough one. I think. I think on this one, I'm gonna actually go. Dallas. Okay. I think I'm gonna go I, Dallas. I had uh, I had previously highlighted the Giants for you, but I see what you're doing here. It, it's smart. <laughs> you're making the business decision. You're making all the picks that I make. So that if you're right, you still are ahead of me. And if you're wrong, you're still ahead of me. I get it. I get it, Tim. It's fine. Well, I, for me, it's it's like they're like on paper, defensively, these teams are identical, but. Offensively, everything leans towards the Cowboys. They're seventh in points scored. They're first uh, in points allowed per game. So, like, the matchups there, if if Dak can come out and, and execute and you can get Pollard going, uh, I mean, a healthy Saquon is, is a tough matchup. I just think if the defenses are virtually identical Dallas has just a, a few more weapons and a, a mildly better quarterback in Prescott I, I say mildly maybe that's not mildly not, not better fair. wow I man mean, Dan Dupuy don't, don't listen to this episode just, just skip forward <laughs> you just saw that man a couple of weeks ago 
And now you're talking shit about America. I love that. What is this? Tim? I love that. I love Dan. I just, uh, I'm not, I'm not on the Prescott wagon quite the same way. I think everybody else is, um, 262 yards, 370 yards. I mean, he's he's done well since he's since his his return. I I mean, I'm I'm kind of just talking myself into this one. I think it's going to be the Cowboys. I think where they match up, it'll be interesting. But I think overall, offensively, the Cowboys have just one more weapon, two more weapons than what the the Giants can comfortably rely on. So I'm going Cowboys. Going Cowboys. Cowboys. Go Cowboys. Okay. Last game, Patriots-Vikings. Yeah, this one makes me uncomfortable. Okay, because you're going to pick Vikings. Probably. Okay, I, let me, let, I don't think I'm going to convince you, because you're, you're your own man, right? You're going to make your own choices. This is the thing. Yeah. The Vikings have showed us that they can put up a ton, a ton of points when, needed, when need be. The Vikings yep. have also showed us that they can lay an egg, right? You want to get those bad losses out the way, and knowing that you're going against a Bill Belichick coach team that just won against the Jets because you had a last-moment special teams touchdown bodes a little bit better for them. I think marginally Kirk Cousins is better than Mac Jones. Who? Mac Jones. I do not see this being anything except a Ramondre Stevenson and every other running back the Bill has at his disposal taking over the game this week. Just wearing down the defense. Mac's going to take about 15 or 20 throws. He's going to connect on like 12 or 15 of them. And there's going to be a couple touchdowns. This, this reeks of a 24-21 game to me. It really does. And the opposite. problem with that for me is that I feel like the Vikings are going to get 24 first, and they're just going to cool their jets. It's a prime time. They're, they're known to play a little bit better. I just feel that in like, prime the time? thing. What? Hold on. I think yeah. you're thinking the opposite. Prime time, they've laid an egg the last like five years. That was the joke for a long time. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying I'm saying it's gonna be the opposite of that. Because we're in the upside down, right? The <laughs> Belichick's thing is he takes the best the best person on the team away from you, right? Goodbye, mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson owner. So if you if you're a fantasy owner of Justin Jefferson, you want to start him this week because you think you're gonna you're gonna need to get points. But unless they scheme up something amazing. Justin Jefferson's going to get like 10 points. It's just fucking happening because that's what Belichick does. He will sell out to stop what you do best, which means Dalvin Cook, which means the tight end position, which means every other wide receiver and Kirk Cousins. You need to make some shit happen. I expect Kirk to spread the ball around a lot here. I expect him to get a couple touchdowns from KJ Osborne, maybe one to Alexander Madison, for example, for all we know, right? I see that. I see that happening here. I really do. I do not trust outright the Patriots to get into a boat race and win. And if that's the way it goes, I have to lean Vikings because I feel like while the Patriots have the better defensive squad, this is still an offensive league. You still need to score points. And that's why I think like the Vikings are going to win. It's going to be a low, low, lower scoring game, but I, I do think they can pull it out. But the opposite of this oh, for, for a few reasons. Uh, New England is second in points allowed per game. They averaged 16.9 points per game. You just went up against the Jets, uh, which is another defensive-minded team who has a much better defensive team than Minnesota does. And defensive passing yards per game, New England's 
fourth in the league, and they're twelfth in rushing yards. So I think this is going to be one of those that, like, on paper seems like, yeah, I mean, the the eye test for New England is faulty, like, yeah, but but it by is, and large. But what? But it's it it is to the extent where they're able to do what they want with the ball, but they're having a hard time converting in the red zone or when it when it matters. But like if we go back to last week, we look at what Daniel Jones was capable of doing. He was capable of making good, accurate passes. That Daniel Jones did, or Mac Jones? Mac Jones. Sorry, Mac Jones. Damn. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I got I got to say, Daniel Jones in in New England. I don't know. I, I can see it. No, nah, fuck that. Uh, now Mac Mac was Mac was making good throws. He was taking care of the ball. He was making some smart decisions. I don't I I don't think the last I don't think last week's shortcomings offensively are entirely on his shoulders. It was just the Jets were. I mean, you you play that team often enough. They come in with a good game plan. I think the Vikings are going to be reeling a little bit after what just happened, and they're still kind of like. What what the hell just went down? And as like you said, Belichick's going to come in, and defensively, it is not even close between these two teams. So, can come in, he can game plan, and Mac Jones has the same amount of success he had last week against a, a better defense. I mean, the, the 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 Vikings defense is is not why they're in winning these games. They I would agree. Thirty first in defensive passing, they're eighteenth in uh. Defenses. So you're making my point about why the Vikings are probably going to win this game because they're better on offense a little bit more than the Patriots are. But sure, go ahead, Kent. Go ahead. But they're but they're not like drastically better between the two. Uh, ah, that's the matter. You know what I mean? Like they not, they average twenty two point nine points per game to New England's twenty one point three points per game. Right. I, that's why I'm so saying that's, it's going to be a closer game. Yeah, I think this is going to be one of those where. Like New England is due for a get right game like they had last season, right? Like I I don't know if I I'm not gonna point a finger and say Jones is not that guy yet. I, I think he's maybe not living up to what our expectations are or the expectations that he set last season. But he's not having these games where you're like he's 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 not looking like Zach Wilson when he finishes with seventy seven yards. He's coming out and he's like he has output. Uh, they're just red zone, and and one of the biggest stats that does not get talked about enough from last weekend is he did all of that with like an average time of two point three seconds before uh before a sack. Like he was, yeah, like the Jets definitely came after him, dude. Hardcore. I want you to take anybody who has to make any work related decision and give them two point three seconds to make that decision and see how often they make the right one. And almost every time last week he did it. The biggest problem with this team right now is the offensive line. Like, you can look at Mac Jones and say, well, he's the quarterback. He's just, the dude has no time to do anything except try to execute the first two, maybe three steps of that progression and get the ball out because, and even that is a lot to ask for in two and a half seconds, right? Like, And, and I'm giving you .2 seconds. So I think it's, I think this is one of those where they're they are due for a get right game, and when Bill Belichick, which I'm sure he's had these numbers for a long time and and knows these things like the back of his hand, is going to come in and keep drilling and drilling and drilling his offensive line and say like, get your shit together. Um, 
And it's going to come down to this. If the offensive line has a decent game in which they are able to hold the pass rush in any capacity, I think it runs the risk of kind of opening this up a little bit. And I think the... I, do I think it's going to be a blow? No, but I could see this turning into a little bit of like a a set the ship right. Let's ride this momentum. They're go, coming coach. off. Let's ride. Yeah, <laughs> they're coming off a a two win streak. So maybe maybe they turn this into something. That's that's kind of what I'm thinking. A three a three win streak there, fine sir. Um, yeah, well, because yeah, they had sorry. they had the buy in between, which they won. Yeah, yeah. Right. Look, this this is my problem. They lost twenty to seven to the Dolphins. They won by three points against the, the Pittsburgh Steelers with ostensibly Trubisky and Kenny Pickett. They lost hardcore to Baltimore. They lost an OT to a backup quarterback in Green Bay, right? They smacked the absolute dog shit out of Detroit. They, they won against Cleveland. They lost handily by almost the same score to Chicago. They thumped the Jets by five. They thumped the Colts by a considerable amount, and then they eked out a win against the Jets here. If I'm looking at all those things, it makes, I, I just have to, I just have to think that like something has to give here. You're talking about there needs to be, you know, a get right game. But like, if you've won three games in a row, what is the get right game for you? Is it the, do you think it's the most like complete game they can play Tim? Like they're going to be a defensively, like they're going to pull a shutout or that offensively, they're going to be able to come up here. Because if you take a look, the high rushers they've had this season, Harrison Stevenson. That's it. Mm-hmm. But Stevenson yep. has more games where he's the higher and, and, and the tougher rusher Ramondre Stevenson is than, than Damian Harris. And if you look at the receptions, it's Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, Devontae Parker. Hunter Henry had one game in there, but he only had 50 yards. Like that was a that was an abysmal game where they just decided that we're not going to pass the ball. We're just going to run, run, run. So yep. if I'm reading this, I'm thinking this is this is the perfect Belichick type game throw the third string running back or wide receiver it's going to get four touchdowns you know what i mean i, I think yeah i think it's one of those that like you're building you're building you're building off of stevenson who has kind of started to pop up as a standout i mean he's 144 attempts on the season the next closest guy is 79 so like clearly you're starting to define you know who i mean harris is has been great when we've kind of shoehorned him into into spots but like Ty Montgomery, like I mean, that guy. You haven't heard anything from him in all season for yep. for forever. And I think it's just one of those. I mean, I think guys are starting to come around. Guys are starting to. It, it, this will always be a defensive team, and I think part of the problem is we don't really feel comfortable with like the offensive play callers, and I don't think New England feels comfortable with the offensive play callers. As much as we hate Josh McDaniels as a starter, the guy, you know, offensively on this team was a staple. So let's not forget that we've been playing this season without, you know, our let's, you know, historical run offensive coordinator, uh, who has left again to to it will potentially be back next season. Who knows? Um but there isn't anybody that they're they're comfortable with. You know what I mean? So it's like there's a lot of what ifs coming into this, and someone at some point is going to finally figure out what they're doing and what works best, and then run with it, right? And we we, we talk about the three game stretch; they've been doing well in my mind. The two game stretch, but yeah, you're right. The three game stretch, 
And I think it's one of those, it's like, it's going to click at some point. It always does, right? It's down, down streaks for the Patriots are generally short-lived. And I know we're talking about historically with one of the better quarterbacks of all time, but let's not forget we had other guys we had to shoehorn in there that had successful runs. We had Brissett, we had Hoyer, we had other guys that we fit in, and they made good runs. My name is Jamie Garoppolo. And Garoppolo. Jamie Garoppolo. (laughs) Now, actually, funny question. Would you take Garoppolo or or Mac Jones? A million percent I'd take Garoppolo over over Mac Jones. What? A million know. percent, a million. No, no, percent. not not just not just in this moment, but like if you had to sign Going someone forward. tomorrow, would you wish Going it was forward. Going forward? You say Garoppolo? I don't yeah, know. I say Garoppolo. Yep. He's gonna he he's gonna crash down to earth. Like, don't forget, he was already benched this season, and this is his resurgence. So I like I, I agree. <laughs> look, look, look. I let me let, let me let me let me put it to you. since you want to bring that up. I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine today. Uh, shout out to Greg uh, about this. Greg and Dan, we were, we were in a group chat and we were talking. And the way that he they, he surmised it uh, so perfectly. And I, and I went, I just found out my text message right now. Okay, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to read it to you. Can you imagine playing through a season with a bad shoulder, nearly taking your team to a Super Bowl, all but getting kicked the fuck out by the team in the offseason, not getting a playbook in the preseason, then being asked by that team to save their ass in the season? What a story. And there's a lot, obviously, that, you know, drama-wise, you got to take in with that. You get, yeah, I mean, Trey Lance got hurt. If Trey Lance doesn't get hurt, I mean, he probably doesn't start the season. But, like, think about the, the market that Garoppolo had at one point in time. Think about what Belichick was able to flip for him. There's talent there that, obviously, a team saw that he was able to take them to the Super Bowl. He was able to bring them back last season to the NFC title game, right? But there's there's a drawback with him, and I and I think he lacks that absolute killer instinct make the hallelujah plays when it counts that that brady does to the third string tight end right he just doesn't have that maybe he doesn't he doesn't have enough cracks at it yet or he's just not capable of doing it we don't know but i would take garoppolo knowing what he knows and all the experience that he has in the schemes and the teams he's played for over mac jones who does not does not seem to be able to like if you put him in this Bailey is, this Zappi, is a, this is and, a second year quarterback. You're comparing I know, to a, it, cur- hold on. a guy who's Tim, like on the verge of retiring. Tim, if you put, <laughs> I know, but if you put, if you put Zappy, Mac Jones, and we had no idea what college they played for, none, Zippo, we watched the way they played. Nine out of ten of us would choose Zappy. I think. I I, I think. wouldn't. The guy had two good games, and then he fucking shit the bed. Like literally, first, it was like it's people like, oh all, shit, we have two, all, we have two, we have two games, games of film because he won a preseason game against Carolina. Okay, uh, okay. So teams are suddenly like, oh shit, we have two games we can watch on film now. We got him, we got him figured out. He had, well, he has three games. That he has he, went, he has won the preseason. He went from zero to interceptions to all the interceptions. <laughs> <laughs> like, talk about a fall off. It's not like okay, he so, so, coughed all right, hold on. So once. It's, so it's clear you're going with the Patriots here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go Patriots okay. in this one. All right. Yeah, all right. So that that seems to be the only pick we're different on. We we can we can we can end this episode of the Sassamere podcast. We're probably not going to solve this one tonight. But oh wait, hold I on, do... hold on. One one hot topic question. Hot topic. We, we're right off into the into the sunset because for the 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 podcast where stats don't matter. Yeah. Rob Gronkowski versus Travis Kelsey. Uh pains me to say it. Robert Gronkowski. Yeah. 
I, okay. I, I can I can totally appreciate what Travis Kelsey is doing for football right now. And yeah. I can also say that what Rob Gronkowski has done for two two of the greatest Patriots teams I think that anyone could ever have seen, and then a Tampa Bay team, which had no business being in the postseason, let alone the Super Bowl, let alone win against Patrick Mahomes. Like, I will remember the year that they played the Rams and they beat them like, what was it, like 13 to 3 or something like that? You know what I mean? And Great Gronk show on said turf, that, right? like, yeah, when, 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 when Gronk said that he, he had to drain blood out of his leg the next day, he couldn't sleep at night. I realized at that point that Rob was willing to do things as a football Bro. player for Tom Brady. Like, on, I, need folks, to correct, I need to correct myself. That is not the greatest show on turf. Gronkowski was not part of this team back then. I'm an idiot. Correct. This was like yeah, three yeah, years but, ago. Three years right. Ago. But yeah. if, if you think, if you think, if you look from a statistical perspective, Gronk had more yeah. touchdowns in a quicker time. He was a bigger part of the offense. And yes, you could make the, the, the determination that what Kelsey does is opens up the offense for everyone else. And especially now that, that Tyree Kill is not there, it's even more important. We've, we've got we've to see some hardware behind it first, right? Like the fact that Rob Gronkowski just goes out there, the miracle in Miami, like where they've never won, right? And then he just he just takes that kick back and just for some reason happens to find all the way to to the end zone, right? It was like one of the last seasons. It was a magical moment. Every time that Gronk went out there, he just demanded a certain type of coverage. He was able to provide Brady a relief outlet. It's why he followed him to another team. It's why his Football analysis is so funny because it's so down to earth and it's so easily digestible because Gronk is a player who likes to hit people and likes to catch footballs and score touchdowns. That is what we want to see at the end of the day. Gronk is America's football ambassador, even if the NFL doesn't want to say it. Travis Kelsey is a newer version of that. He his game is much more nuanced. The way that he and Patrick like communicate without saying anything and the way they're able to score points at will is unbelievable. But if I if you had to ask me today, Gronk or Kelsey, I'm saying Gronk. Yeah, I I mean I, I agree that. for I hate, <laughs> I hate that I hate that I said that shit I hate it too. I, uh, I I'm the same way, and I think this is exactly what we we talk about when we say stats don't matter, right? Because like uh, if if we, if we work our way down this list. One of the things we need to consider, and this is like the Bill versus, or uh, not Bill, but this is like the the Jordan versus LeBron debate, right? Like one of them paved the way for another player, and I think this is one of those cases where teams always had like bigger tight ends that were blocking tight ends. They that they had their their spots, but this was the first time really a team had a big body that could put yeah. down blocks help prevent the pass rush, but also not only could catch, but I, I challenge everybody who's on the fence to do this. Look up your highlight reels from Kelsey, then look up your highlight reels from Gronkowski and tell me how many times you saw Kelsey literally dragging a grown man, a linebacker, down the field while on a run. Or how many times Gronkowski's been able to push off or stiff arm or ultimately prevent a tackle to extend plays he has and and you could say kelsey's job isn't to to score points it's to help open the field up for everybody else gronkowski played less than 10 games more than travis kelsey yet he has almost 30 more touchdowns 
which means it was that also the cap- part of an incredible realm of offensive football that we have not seen since, even with the Kansas City Chiefs. Right? Yeah, but how? But a lot of that had to do specifically with Gronkowski's ability. You had Edelman or Wes Welker or somebody who could fill in in the middle, but Gronkowski was the get out of jail free card. It was the shit is breaking down. I want to rely on someone I know it because he had hands. That dude would sacrifice his body for every single catch, every single play. It was putting it all out there on the line, and you saw it every single game. He was out there playing with like a, a, a fucking brace that went from his shoulder to his yeah. wrist. You saw him playing with a knee brace. The dude just did whatever it took to win, and some of that doesn't necessarily tra- translate to stats because as good as Brady was in terms of a pocket passer and recognizing the game, I mean, the greatest that's ever lived. I, in my opinion, he's done enough on two different teams to, to solidify himself as the greatest quarterback we've we've ever seen. Now, when you have Mahomes, the difference between those two is Mahomes has a whole level of mobility <laughs> that puts Kelsey in positions to be open more than Gronkowski was because those that coverage but Kelsey collapses. also does Kelsey also does some does some part of that too with his wiggles and his shake and his, his yeah I'm not saying Kelsey's I'm not saying Kelsey's a bad player but if we're comparing the two players one of them right you don't quite see as much not not saying he doesn't block we don't quite see as much in terms of pass pass rush defense like any of that sort of stuff but he's playing on a team that we talked about two weeks ago who passed the ball to to nine different players and that's because if there's nobody to pass it through, he can take off running, and you have to account for him. And then all of that collapses, and you start to see him make a lot of these circus Olay passes to, to everybody. So a lot of Kelsey's success, he's a great player, also piggybacks off of what Mahomes is capable of doing. If If Mahomes couldn't run, for example, and we've seen this, right? We saw it in the Super Bowl, and we saw it in other games where he was injured, or they prevented him from running, Kelsey gets shut down, because it's very easy to, if you, if you I don't want to say easy, because he still extended a lot of plays, but if you can stop Mahomes from running, Kelsey isn't as explosive, he's not, he's not wide open in the middle, but, and that's where I think the differentiation comes, because Gronkowski wasn't always open either. He would go up over guys, he would catch it in pressure, catch it knowing he was going to take a hit. Granted, there's plenty of times where they found him wide open, but a lot of the time, his success came from catch and contact almost immediately. So this is one of those, I'm going to go Gronkowski also. The stats tend to lean Kelsey, but I think a lot of that has to do with the offense he plays on, the, the quarterback he has under center. A lot of those things help shape the success that he has. That has made those numbers a little closer than what they what they would be if he was on like any other team. That's all. I you know you're gonna make your uh, you're gonna make your answer there. The only thing that's saving you at the moment, just like uh, that time in um, is it oh, bad teachers <laughs> where 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 the where the teacher is like arguing with the guy about LeBron and MJ. He's like who has six rings. He's like exactly. Talk to me when he has six rings, Michael, and he just walks away. Like that's where we're at with Travis Kelsey. Like he's got a Super Bowl ring, right? 
Yeah. He he conceivably could get two or three, I think, in the next few years, depending on how the league goes. Um, I don't know. They're, I think they're figuring it's time to figure they, out. There has to be a lot of yes, Tim. Yes, Tim. You have Tim Stradamus, you gotta look in your crystal ball. A lot of things have to have to happen. But I I, I do think it's uh I, I do think it's a possibility. It's interesting to note one of them knocked the door, blew it off its hinges, and that there's someone else that's you know, redefined the position and there's someone else now a few years later who's redefining it again and i think that's where it's tough right now and i think that's where we normally i think people from from you and i's generation will go to tiebreaker championship right so that is where the story ends at the moment and that's where this episode of stats matter will end happy turkey day be thankful that we're all around and get to argue about politics sports and all the other bullshit that we do because <laughs> some people don't do this don't forget the history don't forget uh every, everything is about this spend all of the money that you have for your for your folks' Christmas presents on uh, Black Friday and support Small Business Saturday, and uh, him, please do me a favor and just take a year off from getting any Goose Island beers this year, okay? Except for the IPAs, <laughs> get get as many of the IPAs and the Neon Bear Hug as you want, but just stay the fuck away for one year of, the, of the Goose Island. So I can't, I can't. It's tradition now, and my wife trumps you. Sorry. <laughs> Not that she actually cares about him. That's just a good excuse. All right. In search of, I'm hitting all the, I'm hitting all the boards, all the message boards. I will, I will bankrupt myself to get to think that you don't. I will find someone who made like, you know, a one-off like Goose Island that was just like, you know, it was in the pilot brew system. They're going to just throw it away. I will find that guy and I will say, $15,000, sir. Give me the bottle. I will, I will pay it. Do it. Do it. You won't. I won't. <laughs> I won't. I absolutely won't. All right, everybody. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Be safe. Uh, nurse those hangovers tomorrow or today or whenever it is that right, you listen to this. Because if you're out right now, the night before Thanksgiving, it's the best time to do the drink. Really, besides that. Yeah. You get to see all those people uh, you hated in high school and pretend you guys are still and friends. And you, you probably still hate now. <laughs> Peace! Peace! <laughs>